Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bellwest. We're back indoors this time, uh, cowering underneath a great wall of games and stuff. There's a box, mark, box up there marked Stray Bits from Games, and there's some tubes marked Explosive Fuse. Do I have to report you to anybody, Roger? No, 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 it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Just don't shake them, put them down gently. Right, fine. And uh, this month we are talking about um, Zoom, getting through space and not going Zoom because we're trying to be generic but accurate in our in our getting from place to place in space. And we're no, also no, I want to, to design a spaceship system where the stats are Zoom and Neem. How about how about Sparkle? I think I think mm. there should be a Sparkle stat in there and, and, and a shiny a shiny stat <laughs> that should definitely be a shiny stat but, but aside from that uh, we, we will also be looking at uh, designing your own setting why why should you do this why shouldn't you do this how should you do this and will other people appreciate it when you do this but first we would mention we would like to mention uh, first of all thanks to Dr Bob for dropping some money in our tip jar we ever so grateful ma uh and if you want to do this, we, we will put a link in the show notes, but paypal.me slash rogerbw will reach us. Put reach something. him. I have to trust him. I have to trust him. Put, put something about the show in the comments just so that we said I know it's for that and I, and I give him a share. Or don't, you know, it's up to you. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, uh, we get apprised uh, of the offerings of the bundle of holding. We admit that we get uh, the free copies, but... Uh, uh, we don't actually mention it unless we think it's worthwhile. Uh, this uh, this week is one of the earliest role-playing games. It claims to be the second fantasy game, but I'm not entirely sure that's right. Uh, it, it was certainly invented on the basis of knowing about one other fantasy game. I think he, I think he says he actually read it. This is Tells and Trolls by Kent and Andre, um, a much, much simpler, much more narrativist uh, game than Dungeons and Dragons, not, not a simulationist. At all, yeah. You do, you do have several stats. Uh, you basically ro- roll dice to save against those stats to do practically anything. Yeah, and it's um, noted for doing solo games um, and noted for having uh, very humorous and occasionally slightly offensive in the earliest edition um, spell names and for being um, towards maximum game fun. Yeah, it, it's a game that it is very difficult to take deathly seriously, and I think that is entirely deliberate. Yeah. But nonetheless, not it, it's not as light as some that came after, and I think that's actually I think it actually hits the sweet spot for a one of the sweet spots for complexity and uh and between complexity and playability. Yeah, we've we've played some of this in Watson Hall. Uh, you, you can download that, I'll put in links. Uh we we found it good fun. It's yeah, all right. It's mostly dungeon bashing in in concept, but it's dungeon bashing that's fun. It's um, the the elite guard trolls in really really nip, uh, nifty suits with uh, arbalests in their violin cases. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to Zoom. Zoom.
space. Space is... Well, we all know it's big. And we all know it's the final frontier. Very unfriendly. And very unfriendly towards human life. You know, it's almost as if they didn't want you up there. And if you're going to go wandering through space, you're going to need something to wander in. And we're going to be talking about our favourite system, well, our most commonly used system, GURPS, and what it does about providing that sort of transport. This is in response to a one of our Va- valued listener, Brett Evel, asked, asked us about this, and it turns out that he, he uh, has a feeling about elements of this series which is very similar to the one I had, and I thought nobody else did, which is nice. always nice to know. It's nice to know you're not alone. All right, what, what is it that he feels and you feel in Well, we'll, 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 right, come, we'll come to right, that come in to a bit. That. The, okay. the, the basics of this, what we're talking about is the GURPS Spaceships series, mm-hmm. which consists of eight supplements, of which the first is available in hard copy, the rest only in PDF. Uh, the first is the one one uses most of the time, or at least I do. So you are probably familiar with GURPS vehicles for third edition. I, I, I dropped it on my foot once, it, yes. It, it's a shame that um, valued listeners can't, cannot see the expression that just crossed Mike's face there. Uh, of, oh my God. I actually quite liked it, you will be unsurprised to hear. Um, basically, the, <laughs> He's the techie head here, not the, me. This is a yes. comprehensive vehicle design system. Uh, in the context of spacecraft specifically, you can do things like saying, right, well, we want this sort of drive, this powerful, how much space is it going to take, how much power is it going to need, and so on. Let me say that GURPS Vehicles is so comprehensive, it attempts to give you rules which will fit uh, interstellar starships of super science and wheelbarrow design. Mm, Not sure about wheelbarrows, you can certainly do bicycles. Yeah, all right. Anyway, for various reasons, a lot of people don't get on with this and find it excessive work, and I think to some extent it's a throwback to the 1980s style of gaming where a lot of pre-game work was expected of players and GMs, but for reasons of, well, frankly, complexity and playtesting, GURPS Vehicle Designer for 4th edition Mm. has not yet available. Yeah. It it is being slowly rewritten by David Pulver, and it will probably come out eventually, but for now, Mm. it was felt that there is a need for a simpler approach to this that could be got out a bit faster and still work, and that's what GURPS Spaceships is. So while um, GURPS Vehicle Design looks at cost and weight and space mm. altogether, uh, GURPS Spaceships ignores the volume component of things and it just works in terms of weight. Okay. It, div- it divides your spaceship into 20 sections of equal mass. Yeah. Into each of those sections you can put a thing. A module. Well, more broadly, yes. Okay. It, it might be a chunk of armour. Yeah. It might be a drive, it might be a power plant, and so on. It might it mm. might be a gun, or it might be a lot of guns. Yeah. And so this this makes the design process intrinsically limiting, because you can only have the 20 different things. There is a way around that if you want to, which I'll come to later, but mm. in the core system, which is what I use most of the time, yeah, that's what there is. Uh, this has a convenient side effect, which is that you can scale spacecraft. If you build a, sh- a hundred-ton ship, yeah, and you work out its performance, you know, it's the, the, this much acceleration, this much endurance, all the rest of it, yeah, and you decide, hmm, that's not really big enough cargo space. You can scale it up to a thousand-ton ship, and most of the numbers will stay the same because it's still five percent of the ship, 
is yeah. the drive. Five percent of the ship is the fuel tank, and so on. Okay, this the, is the cost will change. This obviously. is fairly abstracted, even right at the start. Yes. Um, uh, yes, and you you can say, for example, I've got two drive systems, therefore ten percent of the ship is drive. Yeah. That does not mean you have two independent rockets necessarily. You you you, you can abs- you can decide. From a narrative point of view, that is one big engine, or it is a bunch of smaller engines, or yeah. whatever. That really doesn't matter. It also means that stati- the, the the stats for what if you could experience them are would be very different spacecraft, maybe functionally very similar or well, even the same. Similar. Where, where it does start to get fiddly almost immediately, unfortunately, is in habitat sections. So, yeah. what one of the things you have is the habitat, mm. one of the classes of system you you can add. And you you know, roughly speaking, how many people you can fit into that. Mm. But whether that is luxury first-class cabins, um, four-to-a-shelf bunk rooms, uh, operating theatres, command spaces, all of those things you you have to fiddle about with. Mm. If if it's the sort of ship where that matters. I can see that, that there are similarities here to the Traveller Starship design. I can see that there are differences as well. Traveller seems to be um, much more um, precisely engineered to that specific set of things. But this is this is trying to cover a much broader range of types of spacecraft. Yeah, and ba- basically, than well, in, does. in the core book, and I'll come back to this. Uh, anything from the present day upwards, along yeah. plausible or implausible tech paths. But that's super science as opposed to blatant magic or psionics or whatever. Mm. The thing that I think does distinguish this from Traveller is that you can generally avoid iteration. Unless you're fairly unlucky. Meaning? Uh, the, th- the thing that I would find when I was designing a Traveller ship was I would start with, you know, I want th- this performance, uh, this endurance and so on. Mm. And that now, now I add on um, weapons and uh, cabins and things. And I find I don't have enough space for it, so I need to go back and reduce the performance. And that changes everything else and so on. Yeah. That can happen in this, but you can start, if you like, by saying, well, I'm going to want about a third of the ship for drives and engineering and fuel, given the tech, tech assumptions mm. I'm working with. I'll leave that till later. I'll say, OK, how, how much habitat space do I need for the um, Grand Admiral's command suite and hot tub? Yeah. I'll come, I'll come back to, to make, that. Make sure I can the, I'll make, come back to that in a bit, where the focus is when you start start yeah. your design. But the thing is, I can, I can make sure all the important things will all fit before I do some of the grunt work. Mm. Okay. Modularity again, I assume. Yeah. I find it's generally about the level of detail I want for a role-playing game that happens to be set aboard a starship as distinct from a starship combat game. Yeah. Um, it does have starship combat in it. Yeah, the the base book... Well, I'll, I'll come back to that. Um there, the thing that I find basically useless, and is probably the majority of most of the books, unfortunately, is the example ships. Now, that should be absolutely fine. Mm. But for two reasons, they don't they don't sound useful for me. One is that tech assumptions vary a lot. Well, yeah. Um, what, what you get in the Spaceships books is either no super tech at all, or all the super tech that's available at that nominal tech level and not what I tend to have, which is one or two bits of super tech 
or even a mixed tech level where some some things are higher and some things are lower. Mm. Now, obviously, if they tried to do that, they'd have had a combinatorial problem and, and there wouldn't be enough ships for anything. But it does mean that it's very rare that a ship is directly useful. Mm. The other thing, and this is, this is what Brett spotted, uh, is even ships that are not intended for combat or anything particularly hazardous always have at least three systems of armour, 15% of the ship's mass. Uh, the reason for three is the ship is divided into, into um, forward, middle, and aft sections. Yeah. And w- when when a when the ship is shot at, one of those sections is going to take the hits. And so all, all of the example ships have at least one armor section in each of those three parts. And isn't isn't an arm, isn't armor? Hmm, I was going to say, isn't armor a reasonable assumption for a rather dangerous universe? Out there, not just aggression. Well, it depends on the nature, particularly if you've got a big ship. Natural hazards, I was going to say. Yeah, but even if if, if you've got a big ship, then even one system of armour is an awfully thick chunk of armour. Way more than you would need for macrometeoroids or whatever. Hmm. And yes, all right, perhaps partly that's a resolution system uh, of, of, of the system problem. I would be inclined to say that if you've got a ship beyond a certain size, then you can effectively have free armour against debris, because mm. it's just such a small proportion of the total, and you only, you'd only need to add actual armour if you've got a warship. Deflector dishes, my, my dear chap, deflector dishes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another thing. Tech, mm. tech choices obviously have implications. I did, in fact, write a pyramid article about this. Um, for If you want a particular feel yeah. from your spaceship design... You can't just say, "Okay, this is this is TL10 with all the switches turned on." Hmm. Why um, not? Um... Because that that will give you one particular feel, but I won't be it probably won't be the feel you actually want. Okay. Well, and this is de- what... de- default. GURPS TL10 feels a lot like Traveller a lot of the time, for example. Yeah. Well, Traveller has at least the advantage that it is trying to do a a consistent. Set of tech levels in a, in a consistent. Yeah, I universe. mean, traveller spaceships, which are a lot more similar than the tech levels would indicate. Mm, all right. um, but for example, if your warships are throwing around nuclear tipped missiles as their primary armament, which yeah. is entirely plausible, and if they don't have force shields, then basically point defence matters, but armour armour becomes practically irrelevant because yeah. you cannot armour a ship well enough to stand up to a close up nuclear missile detonation. Yeah. Um, you you would armour them against small arms fire or the equivalent of that. Yeah. Uh, if they do have force shields, well, you still don't need armour. Mm. If, on the other hand, if if they're using um, lasers and particle beams and things, which which do less damage but can't be stopped, yeah, then armour does start to become important. This is the sort of thing you, you have to decide if you if you're building a setting, as, as I have a couple of times with this. Um, you need to decide up front what the design brief is going to be. Yeah. Uh, do you want broadsides? Yeah. Why do you want broadsides? If if you want Napoleonic gun battles because you, you're um, doing that that sort of thing, and because you're David Weber, yes. Then you need to make make the tech work so that it supports that, and in his books he does. Hmm. Uh, but if if you just say right, this, these are TL twelve starships, that's not going to happen. It's not going to come out. Mm, I I would mostly want to try and avoid, except as a catastro- catastrophic event, uh, starship combats in anything that, that I ran. <laughs> well, honest, because, because I I have 
I have read a lot of, of military SF, uh, and, and it conveys to me the impression that, that when, when things get hot and, and lasers and nuclear missiles are flying, it's a place I really don't want to be. I, I know one person who is not sitting very far from this room who read the entire uh, On the Harrington series mm-hmm. in, I think it was about three weeks, by... If a chapter started with starship combat, she would skip to the end to see who was still alive, because that was the only important result of the starship combat. <laughs> no, no, no. The the stress and pain that the, that that the characters undergo, and, and and the comradeship and the moral lessons to be learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, really? No, really. <laughs> it's it's just I. Uh, 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 Most of uh, that t- seems, seems to be tied up in the last few paragraphs. No, no. Uh, 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 I. I, I a space battle is just too random and chaotic, and even the people nominally in charge don't have very much input. input. Well, the, this is Any another sort of thing. Actually, that's, uh, you can omit the word space from that previous Well, this, this is another thing where tech assumptions fold in. If you've got a vaguely realistic space battle with something like modern technology, then it's largely going to be a case of whose computer can think faster mm. and who was lucky. Neither of which makes for a good story, unless it's a story about the computer. Yeah. Uh, th- my other really big objection, and I can understand why they did it, because it's an American book. Oh, the units. Acceleration is in gravities. Uh-huh. Distances are, are in miles and thousands of miles and millions of miles. Speeds are in miles per second. All the, all the delta Vs are in miles per second. This means every time they give you an equation, they have to give you an anonymous fiddle factor of you know 21.7 or something. All right. Ah! They aren't even the right fiddle factors. Right, anyway. So, the the, the core book, oh. uh, which is up there somewhere, um, you've got the basic rules for construction, as I've just talked about, and operations, which is things like travel times, if you're going from planet A to planet B, how long is it going to take you? Mm. Including a table of this for the solar system. Obviously, if your own systems, you can, you can do this for yourself, but yeah. it's, it's not horribly hard if you make some simplifying assumptions, which they do. Mm. There's a Pyramid article which, which expands on this a lot, but basically, if, if you start using realistic um, planetary motions, it all gets to, to the stage of, I really want a computer for this, and even I really want a computer for this, quite quickly. So I, I, I will grant that those simplifying assumptions. Um, you've got op- operations of think, things like, how long does it take you to get through an airlock and how many people can fit in it? Mm. Uh, that, that sort of detail. Uh, you also have the basic combat system, which, to my mind, is actually quite good enough for, a, as I was saying, a game that is basically about role-playing and giving characters stuff to do on a ship, as opposed to a spaceship war game. And I play spaceship war games. Yeah. Um, that's the one we've been using in Wives and Sweethearts. Yeah. I ha- it, it hasn't intruded upon my consciousness, and, I, and I'm a bridge officer. Yeah, well, basically, you, 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 as an individual bridge officer, you know that your job is to do... What one of about these three or four things that, that mm. will make a significant difference to the fight? Yeah, and how will you do them? Will make a difference to the fight, but we, you don't have to bring the game to a halt while everybody hunches over a hex grid. That's right. Um, so that that is the base book, and the base book is really quite solid on its own. Mm. Uh, the ex- uh, and obviously a lot of example ships, as as previously discussed. Um, not not so many in that as in most of the others. Though I think it's only about three or four. Yeah. Um, then you get on to the uh, PDF-only expansions to this. Spaceships 2, 
traders, liners and transports. Well, it's, it, it is an obvious uh, niche of the market. They're, they they go from place to place and, and get ludicrously rich and then only have enough money to put, make, pay the mortgage on your ship. Mm-hmm. Again, is, is a classic of the genre. I believe Mark Miller did admit that one version of Traveller was deliberately set up so that if you traded honestly, you would go bankrupt. Mm. As an excuse for getting the PCs to do stuff. Yeah. Um, there are no new construction rules here, but it's things like um, spacecraft operations costs and how much you make mm. in doing it. You know, registries, buying a ship, finding freight and passengers. It makes me want to run another space trader game, frankly, if I could find people willing to play it. My, I, I might be willing. To, I, my my problem is I have, I have I keep boggling at the uh, at the the economic systems and the and the chances of uh, uh, the chances actually, actually say of, of of making a profit and getting. It's, it's actually fairly good. I mean, it, if you remember the GURPS third edition traveller books, I do. I it, still have them. It's the Far Trader of, yeah. of this series, and the Far Far Trader remains. The, the winner of the Roger Prize for Most Economically Literate Role-Playing Book. I wish I'd written it. Okay. Have you actually played it? Though? Yes. And, and it works for you? Yeah. Uh, oh. This is when I was still living, living in East London. I was run, running a um, GURPS 3rd edition, mostly um, Far Trader game Yeah. in, in my own setting. Um, yeah, there's lots of stuff about ma- making deals. and ha- ha- the, the thing the series always does at least in the bits bits of it I like, is it always makes it important for individuals to have skills that do things. Yeah. Um, did you ever play the faster Star Trek? Uh, not more than once, I don't think. There, there was one, one thing that it did that I found particularly impressive, which is in the Starship combat system, instead of doing what almost every Starship combat system did up to that point, and say, OK, you are player X, this is your ship... Hmm. Or possibly this is this is your fleet. It said, right, you you are that guy on the bridge. Mm. These are the things you have to do. Yeah, you you are the you are the you are the engineer officer. You are the you are the the weapons officer. You are the sensors officer. Yeah, it makes sense. And and that's a thing that GURP spaceships has inherited, and mm. and I think it's a great good thing. Um, but it. All the things that happen, if even if you even in the basic combat system, never, never mind the, the twitchier stuff, are based on people's individual skill roles mm. as modified by the spacecraft. They are not this spacecraft has firepower X, and then you can boost it with your skill roll or something. Mm. Uh, so that's spaceships two, which is actually not about combat particularly. Uh, spaceships three is uh, it's warships and space pirates. Aha! Let's leave aside aha. Where the space pirates... Do space pirates make any damn sense at all? It does have some fairly good sections on how space piracy can work, mm. what they need in order to make it work, uh, specifically a haven where they can sell their loot. Yeah. Um, there, there are a few new construction options in, of a military sort, things like bomb-pumped X-ray laser missiles. Um, there's, there is the more detailed hex-grid space combat system, which I have never used. I know some people love it. If I were playing a much more warry game, maybe. Yeah. Uh, individual bits of it can can be plucked out and used in the basic system, like ECM and ECCM task roles and that sort of thing. But uh, spaceships four. This is where I start to feel a bit iffy because it's fighters, carriers, and mecha, and I basically regard mecha as silly. 
fun but silly. Um, I, I, I wait, in space a, there's in particular. A, there's a there's a point at which armored battle suits stop making sense and they become mecha. Yes, that's pretty much my dividing line. Yeah. If, uh, if if it's not silly, it's not mecha in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can I can live with the I can live with the starship troopers and and with the the the, the traveller imperial marines descending mm-hmm. de- descending from orbit and and ensuring that the party's over now, boys. But mecha um, are things with 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 mecha are things with with teenage girls and boys in them sometimes together operating. Mm. Human shapes. I'm just thinking of some series that you probably shouldn't watch, or maybe you might enjoy them. My blood pressure is, is causing my doctor some concern. Let's not go there. In, in terms of what's in the book, uh, you've got construction for smaller craft. Um, that there's a bottom size limit in the basic system, mm. and this this brings it down a bit. Basically, where, where an individual chunk of the ship is too small to fit a single person into, mm. you you can now build that anyway so so you might you might have your uh, cockpit taking up multiple sections because the ship is quite small wrapped around it that sort of thing it, it says you know you you simply can't have an a because they won't go that small you can have a b but it's this reduced power version that that sort of thing i got to say at this moment that that speaking speaking of unlikeliness fighters in space has been subject to some criticism as well it depends very much on your tech assumptions mm. And to be fair, the book does go into some uh, detail about that. Basically, you don't have the... Well, obviously, a lot of space fighters borrow, borrow from uh, present-day aircraft carriers. Yeah. And that doesn't work because you can't go very, very much faster mm. in a fighter than in the, in the, in the main ship. Yeah. Uh, so, so, some fiction uh, deliberately says here here is some weird, weird drive which only works on small craft. Um, yeah. More often, it tends to be well. Uh, let's be brutal about this. If some somebody fires uh, one contact nuke at the at the big battleship, that's goodbye big battleship. Whereas if they fire one contact nuke at our fighter swarm, then we still have ninety nine fighters left. Mm. Basically, you you. It, it, it's doable. This is a pretty cinematic book. Yeah, it does in fact have ex- rules explicitly for cinematic space action, like like the um, fighter or mecha that's doing terrain following flight over the enemy battleship too lo- too low for the guns to catch it. That sort of thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. You were mentioning psionics and magic and, and use the force. Uh, okay. v- v- various special manoeuvres, uh, space dogfights. Um, Fireballs from exploding spaceships, all that, all that sort of thing. This, yeah. this is the cinematic rules book as well as the one with fighters and mecha in it. Mm. Um, spaceships 5, Exploration and Colony Spacecraft. Now, look for... Is this first in? It is first in without the planetary system generation because that was oh. already done in GURPS space. All right. So it's things like the general space hazards, particularly on long-distance long interstellar flights through mm. normal space... Um, conducting expeditions, what sort of expeditions you'd conduct and what you want to achieve on them, detailed surveying rules, first contact, that sort of thing. Um, I'm rather fond of it. It doesn't have a lot to do, I think, with most games, but if you want to do things like working out how far the spinal mount telescope on on your exploration ship can resolve something, you know... if, if if you want people to discover the the native civilization, how far out can they discover it, yeah. based on how good their sensors are and what they're looking for, yeah. that sort of things in here. 
also how to screw up a first contact. I mean, how to, how to conduct a first contact. Um, Spaceship Six is the weakest for me because it is almost entirely example ships. Yeah. Um, Title? Mining and industrial spacecraft. It's got three rather good pages on space industry and salvaging ships and refits and repairs and stuff like that. Mm. It has some other rules like um, gas giant mining mm. uh, mixed in with the designs, which is a bit of a shame. Okay. But they're, they're good for inspiration. Uh, but if I weren't a completist, I probably wouldn't have that one. Uh, Spaceship 7 is where it gets weird. This is divergent and paranormal technology. Uh, That's in there for people who aren't you, Roger. Yeah, maybe. But it's things like living ships, um, mm. etherpunk, magical tech, zombie spacecraft. All right, that's, that's going a little far even for me. Um, and g- generally how weird tech space travel and combat works. Mm. Uh, if, if you need to signal by heliograph, how long does it take? Good thing about heliograph in space is it's normally going to work. Very mm-hmm. little cloud cover in space. Uh, there's there's some stuff in here that also that uh, deal, deals with um, movement and thing. Yeah, the 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 basic system gives you atmospheric flight rules, which are fairly fairly simple. Uh, this expands on that a bit, and you can have things like gas bags and helicopter rotors and things, because that's the sort of weird thing people put on their spaceships oh, these it... days. Yeah, kids these days don't, don't understand it. Bob Shaw. Um, <laughs> but then he had to make pi a different number. There is one key thing in here, which is larger and smaller systems. Hmm. And this is basically, you, you've got your 20 system blocks. If you want a thing that would that would not fit into one of your twenty system blocks because you, because you've ripped it off a larger spacecraft, mm-hmm. um, you you can do that. It takes up multiple blocks. Mm. Uh, for things like drives, it doesn't make sense to do this because a larger drive is just a larger drive. It takes up more blocks. You use the basic rules for it. But um, for example, th- th- this is how you how you generate the spinal mount telescope. I was talking about earlier. You take a sensor sweep from a larger ship. Uh-huh. And you say, right, this is now taking up three systems on my smaller ship. Mm. Uh, and the smaller systems lets you get as complex as you like, because you t- you take your one um, standard space. Z- say you're starting with yeah, say you're starting with the size modifier ten ship. Yeah. Uh, you t- you take your one of the blocks and you say, right, we're dividing that into three. Into each of those, we can fit one thing from a size modifier plus nine ship, one size smaller. Okay, no, no, my brain won't understand that, but but go on, somebody out there will. The, well, the basic idea is if if you have a if you have a thing, let, let, oh, let's say right. let's say you're building a, a a great big space freighter, yeah, and the vast majority of it is empty cargo hold, mm-hmm. and you need you know ten guys to argue with each other and keep the thing maintained. Yeah, five percent of the ship for habitat is way too big for that. Yeah. So instead, you, you, you subdivide it down. You say, right, th- this little bit of the, of the um, habitat space it, we're using for the crew cabins, mm. and the rest is steerage cargo. Yeah. And so on. You, you Basically, you, you can do things like that where, where you have a small thing that you don't really need mm. to take up the full ship's, ship section. You can also play around with drive performance if you want to get an exact figure, but that's re- rarely important. Yeah, I think you should probably have mentioned the, the, the size modifier... Being a factor, well, it it, it works off size modifiers. Yeah, yeah. Um, a a size modifier plus X ship is a thousand ton ship, pretty much. There, the the densities are seem to be standard. 
final book, mm-hmm. uh, Spaceships 8 Transhuman Spacecraft. And this, this is explicitly for the transhuman space, space setting. Uh, it's mostly for tweaking the space system to produce ships for transhuman space. Um, does it take much tweaking to fit into the previously existing world? Given that it is trying to copy performance profiles and things, yes. Um, basically, there there are a couple of modified uh, fusion drives based on the different fuels, different reaction masses you can feed through them, things like that. There's a bit more detail on the on the various fusion pulse drives because in transhuman space that's a distinction that matters. In standard spaceships, there is just one explosive pulse drive. The I mean, the thing was that the the selling point of transhuman space was that it was operating within reasonably realistic expectations, as believed at the time. As believed at the time. Are you telling me? Uh, um, is it is the the simplified system not capable of doing that? Or have have yes, our but it won't, expect- give, it won't give you the same numbers. Right, and our expectation, or have our expectations changed since? There's some of that too. Um, the the main thing is um, the, the the simplified system says right. The, the, this is your nuclear pulse drive. Mm. Uh, at this tech level, it performs like this. At that tech level, it performs like that. Tran- the transhuman space will say right. You, we've actually got three subtypes of nuclear pulse drive with these slightly different performance profiles. Mm. I don't feel a strong urge to use it in non-transhuman space games. Uh, it does convert all the published designs. It does have a few pages at the end with six alternative settings that use a similar space yeah. technology base, i.e. basically realistic, fairly near future, um, without being specifically transhuman space, so they could be converted into that, and some of them seem quite interesting, actually. I've never been quite sure if the if I feel that uh, transhuman space is realistically, realistic politically or culturally, um, but... Uh, but it's not one of my enthusiasms. It must be. It must be said. I have played in one campaign, and I've run one campaign, and I enjoyed them both, and I would be happy to do it again. Okay. So yeah, I, I think it works. Uh, From, fi- final content yeah. pyramid articles. There have been a few. Mostly, these have been using spaceships as a generalized vehicle, vehicle construction system, which to me is not terribly interesting. No, quite. Uh, I, well, as some, I, as some I sort of indicated at the top, I'm not that interested in a generalised cons- uh, construction system. One, so, obs- one yeah. observation and a question. The observation is that the strengths and the weakness of the, all this is that it's generic. Is that it won't, unlike Traveller, it won't focus on a particular vision. It has to give you yes. multiple visions. I would say the first thing you have to do if you're planning to use this in a campaign is go through the lists of stuff and decide what's in and what's out. Yeah, well, that's true. In all good, and and the weakness that the further, mar- I mean, they, they produce a, a good, a great chunk of st- stuff here, and there's a lot of usable stuff in it. But but the marketing weakness is that that I don't think uh, SJ Games can produce um, a setting that is um, sellable that that uses these systems. I may be wrong. But can it? Can it, Could they produce? Could they sell a setting that used this stuff? Uh, well, the the obvious one, if you wanted to do something like that, I suspect would be Firefly with the serial numbers filed off, which would be no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica with the serial numbers filed off, again, no problem at all. I would like something more cheerful, but that, then then I'm not au okay fait with these if, modern trends. If if you're running I, I, either of those, um, I would say. Uh, this this is definitely the, the, the sort of rules backing that would be very useful. Mm. If you want to do your generic sci-fi channel, hey, we're a bunch of dudes on a spaceship, 
then let's let's face it, the spaceship works when the plot needs it to yeah. and fails when the plot needs it to, and you don't really need stats. You just say, okay, it's going to take us three days to get to X. Yeah, well, three, yeah, yeah. The trouble, uh, the trouble is that the writers want to do original series Star Trek, and the fans want to do something from the technical manual. Mm. Um, the 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 question uh, the question was um, when you when you start building a spaceship, what's the focus? What's the point you like to start at? Or what? What, do you think? what is the spaceship for? Okay. Uh, so what 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 is the primary constraint here? Hmm. Um, so that might be right. It's got to be about this big and car- carrying a massive spinal railgun, hmm. or it might be uh, th- this has got to be cheap enough to be produced in reasonable numbers and yet still able to look after itself. Or it might be right. Everything is going to maximising cargo volume hmm. because the company doesn't want to pay for non-productive space. Whereas what that, I, that that sort of high concept is where I start with. What I uh, where I would start with would be what are the things the players are going to do on it. And oh, if it's a spaceship for the players, that's another matter. Well, uh, well, it's a, it's a spaceship for the stories. What are they going to do on it, and um, what's it going to look like when they first step on board? When, when they first see it, and when they first step on board, that I would build from. I would build from their experience of it. And their function on, on it, but then um, maybe this is not the supplement for me. But I, I'm well, sure what, I could what, do what, stuff with this. The, okay, if you, if you want to do things like that, it will give you hints. Mm. Um, for example, things like the way things are laid out in the ship. Yeah. Um, some things can only be in particular yeah, four middle and aft sections, and that that will give you some idea of. Well, maybe somebody decided let's put the crew quarters in the in the nice shielded drive section where where they're safe, mm. but that means they have to run down the cargo hold to get to the bridge in a hurry. That yeah. sort of thing. The one of the best things for Traveller was the uh, Starship Operators Manual, I think it was called. Digis Group Press, yeah, yeah, which uh, which gave you a lecture by an experienced uh, merchant captain of what it's like to operate a, um, a far trader mm-hmm. and. Uh, and do and what the what the feel of the controls were like and that and that sort of thing. I, f- I I find that sometimes the other way around works. That finding the technical answer to something sparks the imagination. Um, I've I, I've been writing a thing, and and I was stuck on it for some time until I I started out. All right, let's find out exactly how long it's going to take them to cross the desert. To get where they're going to, mm-hmm. and that for some reason, the 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 actual factual answer to that, for some reason, unblocked, unblocked my mind. Which is <coughs> a good thing about working with somebody else's established universe. There's an yep. answer you can use it. Well, I th- I think the way that works for me is once once you've got a set of um, comp- available components nailed down, you say you know, th- this is the major space drive people are using. Mm. Okay, then you say, right, well, if you want a ship to go this far in this sort of time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to need to be almost entirely fuel, whereas if you just want to do local stuff, mm. you can have more other things. Therefore, that first exploration, exploration is going to be a big expensive one mm. that only happens occasionally. That sort of thing. The, the, these can fall out of it. That's the thing I like to do, uh, to pick a set of tech options and see what falls out. I will know. Which is obviously easier than starting with the shape of the universe you want and then working the tech to with the uh, with, with the with the Royal Navy and Space game. How do we how do we get beyond 
the jump points. How are fresh jump points found? Uh, uh, they, they, are found they are found by surveying. Yeah, and that's slow and tedious? Yes. Okay. And frankly, it is quite possible to survey uh, new worlds faster than the population grows to fill them. Hmm. All right. Which, which is why you've got all these low, bro, low population colony worlds. Yeah, but the but the but the, but they make the jump points themselves make the the travel um, once once you know where you're going quite quick and straightforward. Yes, because I was using basically the the best space drive I could bring myself to believe in, <laughs> which is borderline super science by the standards of now current theoretical mm. drives. Um, but even with that, it takes you multiple days to get across the solar system, even yeah. even the relatively inner bits. And because I didn't want characters taking multiple multiple weeks to get anywhere, I, I then made the interstellar travel yeah. effectively instant. Yeah, it's a common. It's a common. Uh, it, I, I made, it's a good. It's a good story based of set of assumptions. I made a similar assumption for the Digigrey space game I, that I, you played in briefly. I was a doctor. I pay no attention to that sort of thing. Yeah, but but it was on a similar basis because you know this was a blatant rip off of Aliens. Yeah. Um, and in Aliens, you you don't worry about how long it takes because you go to sleep. Mm. Um, but it, but similarly, it was basically travel is instant over a short distance. Over a longer distance, you have to take sights and things, and you make multiple jumps, so it takes a bit longer. Yeah. But that then feeds into what sort of adventure you can have. You you you. If somebody sends a distress signal saying "Help, help!" They're overrunning the base. Mm. The best you can do is get there several um, a month or two later. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if you can if you can do instant, short in system jumps, then 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 the fact that you're currently stuck out in the asteroid belt uh, whilst Earth is under threat um, isn't quite as important. Mm-hmm. I'm hand waving the a lot of the drive in my current Stargate VR eh. game, which is. Uh, that's Victoria Regina, not virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, but th- th- this is a thing that I'm, I regard as quite important in in spaceship games, because the the, the tech always feeds into what sort of stories you can tell, and vice yeah. versa. Uh, and f- in part for that reason, I, I like to have a nice solid framework that tell, that mm. lets me say, right, this tech is here, that that other tech is not. This is mm. the best you can achieve. There is the question of what what to do. There's an, those eight books are three hundred and fifty-two pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, they're, they're, they're little half um, A4 half yeah. letter pages, but uh, and that's before the pyramid stuff. Um, I am actually kind of tempted, and I, and I would like your non-technical opinion on this. What, what I would like to do is build three composite PDFs out of the PDFs I already have. Mm. Uh, one of them would be just the design rules. One of them would be just the spaceship operation rules. Mm. Uh, one of them would be just the examples. Now, obviously, I couldn't distribute this because it's not mine to distribute. Yeah. But if I were to say to you, here is a program you can download that will do this to your own PDFs, is that a thing that would potentially be interesting? <laughs> hang on, hang on. A program that does what? To, to which? To where? You, you, you feed it your existing eight PDFs. Yeah. And it pulls out these pages from that one and those pages from that one and so on. And, and and spits out three books: the construction book, the operations book, the examples book. Hmm. I can see a use. I can see a use for me constructing bits of uh, of the rules I need in PDF form, so I can send them to the players and say, "Here, 
on the character generation rules. Um, and here is the background. You don't need to know anything else. <laughs> Rather than handing them the, the whole core, core rule book, which would be foolish in the extreme, you know. Um, I can see a, a use that way, but I can't believe that there isn't such a thing already. Well, there isn't. There isn't even a master index, which I think is probably the thing I'd do first. Mm. Each each book has its own index, but yeah, I, th- I I can't I can't see this being an automated thing. I, I... Well, the the existing eight PDFs are basically fixed unless they release an update to one of them. Yeah, it all all I would have to add is a table saying book one pages fifteen to seventeen, book two pages thirty two to thirty three. Mm. Possibly, I I I I I can see it's useful for you. I can see it's useful for some other people. I. Don't normally uh, create that that sort of thing myself. Who are you going to give it to? Well, uh, I would make the program generally available. Okay, who are you going to give the product of the program to? Well, I can't. I can't distribute it. That, that's, that's the whole the, problem. That's the whole problem. But I, I feel that other people might find these useful. Other people who have themselves bought all the PDFs, obviously. Um, I think. Yeah, I think. I I think. Hmm. I think I don't. You sound unconvinced. I'm, so, I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I could find a use for that that, pati- uh, that particular setup. Creating, um, yeah. Is it because it's in PDF format rather than anything else that this becomes uh, at, ne- all, at all feasible? Yeah, at all necessary. I was going to say. Well, if it were in paper, you couldn't do it at all. True. I was thinking if it, if it were in doc format or something like that, something word processable, but PDF. Yeah, but, it, but PDF, you want to maintain the the, the pretty pictures and well, while, else. while it is possible to disassemble PDFs and strip things out and so on, it's it's awfully hard work. Hmm. It's it's much easier to to assemble a sequence of pages and leave the individual pages intact. I have the strong feeling we may be listening, hearing from uh, SJ Games lawyers after this section. Well, th- that that is specifically why I'm saying this only applies if you've already bought the books. Oh, quite. You you you're you're allowed to extract pages for your own use. Yeah. And that that's what I'm doing. Here here is a program which you run on your own computer, which will mm-hmm. extract pages from your PDFs for your own use. Yeah. Uh, you certainly would wouldn't be allowed to redistribute them. I and I wouldn't be wouldn't suggest it. Oh, um, which reminds me of a piece of gossip, I suppose, from one of the um, forums I frequent. Uh, Note to all people who are publishing um, character sheets for their role-playing games. Make sure they clearly say on them, uh, photocopying allowed for personal use. Because Mm -hmm. um, some some commercial um, copying places get really naughty. And some yep. won't, but some will get really naughty. There is a permanent stickied thread on the SJ Games forums, which exists specifically um, so that if you have an argumentative copy shop, you can say, look at this thread on the company's forum by a company employee saying it's okay to copy stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure that doesn't always work. No, I'm sure it doesn't, but that's, that's what they feel they have to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's Spaceships. It's great, I think. Mm-hmm. If you have a game with spaceships in it, I'm I'm less convinced it's with it for other vehicles. Well, no, you you could simply make them up. That's that's obviously the alternative. Yeah, uh, to treat spe- well, you, you can and I do treat spaceships as background um, as background set dressing, um, and this annoys the techies amongst my players. <laughs> what do you mean? How big is it? What do you mean? Uh, uh, 
What do you mean uh, the, the airlock opens? Oh, what, what airlock? There wasn't an airlock, was there? Hey, what, what? <sighs> the, I, I find it useful pro- to, for providing me background detail that I can then invent scenarios of mm. and situations and so on. So, okay, so how does somebody go about hijacking a spacecraft? Yeah. And once they've done it, how do you go about stopping them? Always, uh, always a good th- thought. Yeah, the concrete details allow the sorts of stories that you can tell mm-hmm. without ripping the uh, the universe apart. I, I've been reading a, a well, very... the thing is, you, you can't do the thing Star Trek always did, which is invent something amazing for one episode and forget about it the next time because players will remember that inconvenient thing. The fans did. Especially the inconvenient thing well, that was done to them. Yeah, quite. <laughs> Hang on, can't we do that? Is, is and why not? Uh, yeah, is is the perpetual cry uh, to uh, to the uh, to the GM from the players, and sometimes you're glad to hear it, and sometimes you're not. Mm. Well, I, I think I've said said before on on this uh, podcast that I I encourage the players to to get in, get uh, gritty with the details of things like this. Yeah, and again, having a consistent system is really handy for not letting that get out of control. Yeah, I I hear myself say more often than I like. Mm, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes that's good. It's a good feeling. And sometimes it leaves you thinking, what have I got myself into? What have I got myself into? I'm just picturing the theology that would grow up in a world like that, where, where some, some of the most enlightened come to realise that some things are undefined because God hasn't decided what they are yet. There's a bit... All right. Wrap, to wrap this up, there's a bit... In, in 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 the early books of the Bible, where a difficult uh, case comes up before Moses about um, some uh, some daughters of a man who had left nothing but daughters, um, and and he had to go to God and say, you know, we need to write a bit more a different provision into the laws. Um, about to cover this happening so they don't fall out of the, the people of Israel. And God apparently says, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah, let's do that from now on. <laughs> and it's hard to say whether that's cheering me up or not. <laughs> but in any case, if, if things you're uncertain about include spaceships, here is a way to become less uncertain. It's not a, it's not a quick all answer. You do need to do work on it, but I find it's very rewarding. On to the next thing. This next section sparks from something that was said on our website, I think by valued listener Brett Ebel, that we really ought to go back to a remark we made right in one of our first episodes about the joys of designing your own setting and why do it. I mean, we, I think this is a remark we make quite a lot, to be fair. Uh, true. Um, now, we go on a bit, a fair bit, about using other people's settings, and it is, as I say, a joy to find something that's been set in other people's minds. But there is something immensely satisfying about putting together a world that is to your own satisfaction and your own specifications and then letting people loose on it hmm. you will discover things when you let them loose on it that you never knew 
and that you never knew that you needed to know. <laughs> and that's the, the biggest the biggest pleasure. Um, and that, another mind looking at it and saying, hang on a second, does this make sense? Um, sometimes they even say, oh, yes, that makes perfect sense. Well done, Michael, but that happens less often. <laughs> and I would like to talk briefly about approaches to this as a task and um, approaches to this as a um, piece of art. Where do you start from? I think I think there are... As well, there's one very common point, and that's let's do X but do it right. I yeah, think. I think there is there is necessarily a continuum of this. I mean, you 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 can run, uh, at, take an example, pure Lord of the Rings. Mm. You can run Lord of the Rings in a different place at a different time, as the Iron Crown game did. Yeah, you can do something. I think Bill Stoddard had had one where the Fellowship failed, mm. uh, and he's always Sauron Sar- basically won. And what what you had was, was was people trying to fight against that. Yeah. Try to imagine what it would have been like had Sauron won is something that I don't think my mind wants to go into. And then it goes further and you, you can have... We, we have some Lord of the Rings-like elements in, in this fantasy or mm. we have a fantasy which, like, like most genre fantasy, owes something to the Lord of the Rings but isn't directly connected to it. And you can have... Um, let's, uh, let's start out with assuming something Lord of the Rings did is dead wrong the el- the elves are not um more perfect than human humans they are worse um the halflings um the halflings i'm not quite sure how you pervert the halflings but uh but i think you could make larceny mostly well i think you could make the halflings the the heroes and the humans insensitive giants um there's a lot that you could object to in, in in Tolkien. Many people would object to the Christian allegory. That's uh, a fascinating socialist reading, which I've forgotten the details of, but it's great fun. Marxist or socialist? Uh, as far as I remember, socialist with Marxist overtones. Ooh. I wonder who was oppressing whom. That's always the primary t- a question in Marxism, isn't it? I think the orcs were, were being oppressed, and so so was Sauron. I find it difficult to categorise Sauron. That as, that that as... whole society was was the victim. All right, and obviously misrepresented. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> um, slandered by their, <coughs> by their by their reactionary enemies. But I, that, but there is something. There's always a focus on where you start. If you're Tolkien, or if you're Professor Barker. You can start with the languages, mm-hmm. um, but that's not really going to be within most of our capacities. Well, I think while that can produce interesting games and has, I think that the approach I usually take is to find a, one or two themes that I'm going to regard as important mm. when I'm starting something like this, and everything else can can fold in behind that. Themes such as, um, well, to to put it crudely, for example. Um, in in the Royal Navy in space game, that was I want to have a recognisable Royal Navy in space, uh-huh. and that that in itself implies things about how far in the future it can be, about the geopolitical situation, yeah. and so on. Uh, the the world starts unfolding rather than needing me to build it. Yeah, the, uh, the 
I think that that comes under the under the general category of starting with something you know about and building from building from mm. there and adding the unique, the, the often fantastic or ephemeral uh, elements on on top of that. If if I were a more literary sort of person, um, then then I might well identify a theme in the more conventional sense, um, as as it might be. Um, the struggle of the mass oppressed against the small aristocracy, mm. and which side of that you want you want to have your player characters on is another matter. But it, mm. if that struggle is one of your major things, then it's going to influence how the world looks. Yeah, I. If you, know, uh, I think you see a lot of military focused fantasy in SF because that's a thing that people can know about. And know about the feel of, and it makes for big rousing action scenes, even if they get it wrong. Yeah, and, and even if people get their legs blown off. But but I don't know know about that. I've often thought that a theatrically based um, role playing game, especially a magically based um, theatre company, might might be a thing that uh, that I could put together. But I'm not well, sure you, any you... of my players would grasp the importance of it. I have uh, you got... know Stephen O'Sullivan, uh, Gert Swashbuckler's early editions, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he, his preferred campaign frame for that was a Commedia dell'arte troupe. Oh, that's specialised. Yeah. <laughs> but again, who, who can then get involved in thieving and spying and whatever else as well? Yeah, that's. I think Be- I... because they they are they are the acceptable strangers in, in a time where the strangers in town are regarded as dubious. Mm. Yeah, I, speaking as a rogue and vagabond, I can I can say that only stretches just so far. <laughs> the uh, but then the, then you have the problem of getting it to spark with players. If it is too specialised, then uh, then you uh, then you run the risk of the players not getting what you're going on about. And if it's um, and there's also the risk you might discover that, that if you choose something that you really don't know know enough about, your players will know more. Mm. And that uh, and that and that can be wonderful if the players are going well, but if they look at you, your let us say your giant steam-powered um, cannon trundling through uh, through um, India in the early twentieth century, I'm looking at you, Daniel James, all right, and they go, well, I don't really think so, do you? <laughs> then that's a problem. Actually, I said. I'm not really interested in that <coughs> steam-powered. Uh, and I was playing an engineering officer, so, you know, I should have been. <laughs> All right. Never, th- never let you down. Well, except when they do. <laughs> where do you start and where do you say it's it's ready to... When do you say it's ready to go to the players? Oh. Uh, there is a truism that behind every programmer there is another programmer with, with a beating stick to tell, tell him when the programme is finished. I thought that was called managers. Uh, there, there, com- there comes a point where you're adding more stuff and you're making it worse. Yeah. I think, well... Um, yeah, they, also... we, we, Brett, Brett has told us about his um, science fiction setting, which is frankly fascinating. It's huge and detailed, and he has the problem that that he can't thro- he can't plunk down a heavy pile of paper in front of his players and expect them to read it. No, um, that, 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 the problem is you need you need to be able to get down to a manageable level the things that your players already know. I have cheated uh, 
when faced with that problem by having them grow up somewhere isolated and go out to learn about the world. Mm. Um, that, 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 that's a perfectly workable device and a perfectly good narrative de- uh, device. I've said before I'm very fond of the one-page briefing in Transhuman Space, Changing Times. Mm. It's basically, here, here are the weird things about the world. Here, here are the interesting strangenesses, as opposed to the background strangenesses. Yeah, here here are the things that yeah, you need to be able to write um, as I've said before what my father told me, mm-hmm. um, or my mother, or my teacher, or whatever. Or everybody knows that. Uh, yeah, the thing you need to be able to get down to single side or at least at most to what everybody knows, and that is not easy. Yeah, though though I think what we can get out of this is is it a mistake to present too much to the players up front. And I think that process of um, producing an abstract is valuable in itself because it mean, it means you have then decided what the most important things about the world are. I think the most important things about the world may be what you keep hidden at the start. But mm. the most real things about the world are what you have to show the, uh, show the players. But they will misunderstand this. They will make assumptions. Uh, this is a topic for another day. I was... I was uh, I'm going to bring it up at some time. The degree of miscommunication about everyday things that there can between, be between players, mm. and, and and you think a word means one thing, and they think it means another, and and often frighteningly they're right. <laughs> um, and uh, but it but it there is um, but I think there is a case actually for giving it to you to giving the. Uh, Briefing in advance to one of, to to one of your awkward players and saying here what questions does this arouse before the rest of us meet, or even to somebody else you know who's not going to be involved in that game. Mm, yeah, there's only so much you can impose on your friends, you know. Mm. I, I, do, I do have somebody who encourages me to write, but I'm not sure I can I can I can show her my game briefings and say, hey, does this make sense? Well, if you have a designated awkward player, then that makes it an easy decision, I suspect. Yeah. There's a characteristic that I find, I, I'm sure there's a term for it somewhere, but I'm calling it thickness or thinness of a mm. created world. Um, and that is basically, okay, the, the the situation is ongoing. We know what's in the immediate area Yeah. in, in a narrative sense. You know, what, what, what we're trying to achieve, who mm. we are, that sort of thing. How deeply can you scratch that before you hit vacuum? Well, uh, and some settings are simply thicker than others mm. in this regard. Um, obviously, something in the real world get, gets a lot of bonus thickness mm. in anything other than the fantastic elements you add to it. Yeah. Simply because you can say, well, if I go out of here and turn right, well, I can look that up on a map. Yeah. I, I, I know where... where uh, how, yeah. how likely am I to find a black market arms dealer in Chicago in 1920? Is a is a thing that is knowable. Much more likely than you are in High Wycombe in uh, 2018. You're looking in the wrong place, mate. <laughs> uh, but um, obviously, the further this is from the real world, the harder it gets. It, it was an argument um, for see, against scene setting in RuneQuest originally because, mm. uh, okay, people can guess what a troll looks like. It's not going to act very much like a traditional fantasy troll, but they have a vague idea of what you're talking about. They're not necessarily going to go and know what a brew or a gorp is. 
Well, I was I'm, I reflect on the the fact uh, that you have to be very careful with histories. What, some of my early efforts start out and uh, writing my own worlds start out on the first page with uh, fifty thousand years ago, <laughs> and just because you know um, Tolkien did and Greg Stafford did and and um, I felt I needed. I needed the, the 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 assumptions, the depth of everything, and in some cases, it is ne- necessary to know know um, where the differences are and where the similarities are. But sometimes it's much more important to know what happened last year or twenty five years ago. Yeah, I, I think that's where the everybody knows document comes in. Mm. Um, if 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 your everybody knows about RuneQuest mentions the ducks, for example, it's going to say nobody really knows why they're like that. The the general feeling is some sort of curse. Yeah, that's I, it. I, well, actually, no. It's going to say everybody knows that they that they were cursed. Oh, okay. Um, I think I think that's what what it's going. To, I don't, uh, what I'm I'm not saying about RuneQuest, about Glorantha specifically. I'm going to say that everybody will have an answer, and it will probably be wrong. Mm. Um, I I was. Yeah, the, the everybody knows may well vary between cultures, which could be fun. If that that could be an interesting exercise, not one I've done of, of giving slightly different documents to different players. Um, I was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a point in the, one of the uh, early text adventures, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy one, where the the program program actually actively lies to you, and you have to ask it three times hmm. uh, about something before it'll say, "Oh yes, actually, well, there is something there," hmm. uh, which is Douglas Adams being funny and very annoying. Um, but hang on, I was going to say also it varies if you wanted to be realistic, and I don't think you do. It varies with generation. Um, talking to to young people about history. Um, even the history I remember is quite alarming because they assume things which I know not, I believe not to be true and don't know the context of the things I'm quoting. And this alarms me more than a little. Mm. But uh, this is. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably a, a bit skewed on that myself because I rejected or ignored large parts of school history and then later got interested and started learn, learning about it for myself. So I have. A completely different set of biases, I suspect, from people in my generation who mm. took the school approach. Yeah, uh, I only managed to learn some of the things that uh, uh, managed to learn some of the things that they were trying to teach us at school um, when I got in, uh, fell into the topic many years later. Mm. Um, um, I suspect that my my education was sort of a, a primer, and other people were paying more attention at the time. I'm fairly sure. Yeah, we're 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 drifting a long way off here. But all right, focus for uh, the focus for starting your own world can uh, can be the, the, as as yeah. broad as the the genre, and as specific as how magic works, how magic feels. I don't know any more than to say, you've got to get it. Uh, you can't. You can put it in front of the players too early. And you can put it in front of the players too late. I think mm. if you you've worked things out and 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 gone into immense detail, I believe Professor Barker made a lot of Tecumel up as he went along. That's certainly the impression I've got. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, and found found answers. 
I'm fairly certain that he could go away, think about it, and come back with a set of words for the phenomenon and a whole new cultural practice for the <laughs> next week. Uh, but so, but Andy, I'm fairly certain he had a, an incredible memory for his uh, for his own creation. But well, you would, wouldn't you? Um, uh, but I am also certain that he he made up customs and made up stuff as he went along and modified it as he went. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the way you're going to do it. Throw it in front, throw it at the players, and they will ask you the questions that you didn't know you needed to ask. Yeah, the the where the thickness measure comes in is in a sufficiently thick world. Players can make assumptions that are likely to be right. Mm, if, that, if if we're yeah. playing in 1942 and we're in England, then it's not going to be easy to get a chunk of meat to to bait the werewolf with because there is rationing. True, for example. Yeah, but 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 hang 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 on that that that's drawing on somebody else's independent work. Um, yes, but but the point is the the players can be sufficiently involved with that, and this is possible with completely independent worlds as well. Mm. But it's much harder work, and. Take, taking, for example, um, the Royal Navy game again. Yeah. I I often feel that the the thinness of the of the flats is showing a bit, and it it, it may all look a bit two dimensional when it gets away from what the PCs are immediately up to. Now, part of that is because of the, the focus is this yeah. the PCs doing this sort of thing, but I would I would like it to be a bit more solid in the background as well. Well, I think it's also because we are very we are focused on one our uh, one ship. Well, one group of characters on on various ships, and and the action is on, on the ships. We only occasionally pull back to the wider, wider social picture. Yeah, and the uh, uh, I, I do have some notes on economic models and why why, why the space why the freighters can actually make a profit, but they don't make a lot of profit. Uh, yeah, but you, do you have notes on uh, on how you address the governor of a, a starship co- a colony? And what his relationship is going to be with the with the elected council and um, all that sort of thing. Mm, basically, no. That that that's in my makeup when somebody asks me model. Yeah, I thought it might be. Um, I I do know how how you um, whether you need to be polite to the governor. Mm. Answer yes. Uh, yes. Your naval officer. <laughs> be, be, because he it. because he can send a complaint and that that will do bad things to your career. Speaking uh, speaking of career. Um, Sometime soon, it's going to have to have to be. Um, uh, it's going, they're going to have to be boards about promotions. Yes, and, um, indeed. Uh, and 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 and, uh, and also and also staff school and things like that. Mm. That's going to be tense and nervous, and cause my character <laughs> to have, um, and cause my character to fail to play his overconfidence again. <laughs> but. I, yeah, I think you need to have the things that you are interested in, and I think you need to be able to expand into the things that your players are interested in and know about. And this is a, a knowing your your players thing, but mm. also, but on but and on the other hand, you want to be able to do for the generic player. You want to be able to create for those who are not here and are not in your group. If you want it to be a bigger work of art. Yeah, uh, it, it is famously difficult to make the transition from this campaign I ran for my mates to this campaign that somebody else can run for their mates. Let alone the, this campaign which somebody actually might want to publish. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I don't know, know if we've answered the question. In fact, I'm not entirely certain what the question was. Well, 
How about taking a different angle on it? Ken Hite is, is famous for saying that you should you should set things in the real world. Yeah, start from Earth. Um, and then add stuff. And that's certainly something I do quite often. Uh, I, th- I think there is a case for not doing that sometimes. I think there is. If, but you're going to have to... You're going to have to be willing to, to take from Earth certain tropes and habits of thought. You don't want to have to re... Maybe you do want to reinvent what pirates look like or uh, or what uh, going to a ball looks like. Maybe that's the whole point of it. But you're going to have to start with images that, that the players have in their minds about what somebody going to a ball looks like and then twist them. Yeah, I've recently been reading a couple of books which are basically the Napoleonic War with airships, mm-hmm. um, which are not set in the real world. I, and I suspect this is because the author has thought there would be so much wrenching of detail needed that you might as well start start with a clean slate, pull pull in Napoleonic glop as needed to to, to fill in gaps, but start with right. We've got steam turbine powered airships. Damn it! Although I am not, uh, though I am not uh, Professor Tolkien, the thing that most frequently jars with me, um, being an English graduate, um. Is that is names and language, and similes and sayings, which are there in worlds which which are not ostensibly nothing to do with ours, not parallels, not alternate histories, but that people are still called Brian, and and mm. and it, yeah, and I don't have the skill. I know I don't have the skill to um, uh, to to create languages of my own. And therefore, um, I have to make this... I don't have to say the fuck with it. I don't care. They're called Brian and Roger um, and, 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 and Terry and Daphne. And, and there's no, no, there's no reference to, to, uh, to anything, um, any, to the Normans or to the Greeks or anything like that. In this, in this world, it's just convenient. The other way is to it, do it, is it, to, the it, other way yeah. to do it lies in something I've been reading, which is a, Rather good uh, fantasy novel. I must remember to put a reference in the notes. Um, in which um, you, it doesn't look very, very much like Earth, except that at, it, it becomes clear that it has to be a few, far future setting after a return of magic because somebody has gone and reinstated the French um, Republican calendar as mm. standard, and uh, and and that can't be a coincidence. <laughs> and man, so 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 it implies a whole back history which I haven't found in the series yet, but um, uh, but but it can't be a coincidence. And so, make it make sense, damn it, make it make sense. Mm. Another thing, of course, is that if if you have if your names are weird, mm. people will find them weird. They will find them hard to remember. They will find them hard to get a handle on. It's true. Um, if they're going to be weird, they should at least be consistent. Yeah, um, I, I, Professor Barker was was good at that. I, want, I, I berated the, them for this before, but Columbia Games never gave us um, a consistent way of finding names on harm. <laughs> um, I, the the names all look weird, but we uh, but there was no clear definition of naming customs and and nowhere that we could go to to find names that would fit, and that was mm. a primary mistake. Um. Yeah. If names are weird, the other the other compromise is what um, Jonathan Tweet did in Everway, 
which is make all na- names what's the word metonymic, meaning something. Um, mm. Your name is uh, your name is not Roger. It, it what does Roger mean? I've no idea. Ignorance of Michael means who is like the Lord. For your information, fair enough. Uh, th- th- that's not something I want to uh, impose on any <laughs> player character, uh, other than the ones who say, uh, whose name is you know. Uh, that thou shalt thou shalt never succumb to fornication, Jones. If I were doing a one shot, I, I now find myself tempted to to have characters called things like the priest, the waitress, whatever, the I, bandit. I do that all too often. Anyway, it's a, it's it's a failing of mine. Player characters, yeah, but uh, but that I really should be a priest, a bandit. Ah, oh, but no, they're archetypical, you see. Oh, I, I, we're going the the, uh, the power by the apocalypse route, are we? Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Do we have more to say on this? Uh, I suspect we will say it over the next however many episodes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we encourage you to do this yourself and to write to us. Speaking of which... And if we didn't answer the question, um, ask it again in a different phrase. Yeah, yeah, restate the question so, so our poor shriveled brains can understand it. <laughs> If you want to tell us all about the world you have cunningly constructed, and so many of you do, then you can reach us by... Uh, leave a comment on the website or send email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And we will be back again next time.